I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take on NFL Salary Cap and Contract Matters. Uh, this time around, um, we're going to take a look at the what I think is the most intriguing remaining contract situation, and that is with Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. Um, Jackson skipped all of the... Um, Ravens offseason workouts up until minicamp, prompting speculation that there was a huge rift between um, the Ravens and, and Jackson. He participated in the June 14th through 16th minicamp, so that kind of negates uh, some of the narrative that had been out there. Information about what's been going on with um, Jackson and the Ravens is scarce. Um, Jackson doesn't have an agent. The Ravens aren't putting anything out in the media for the most part, um, keeping things um, quiet. The main piece of information that we knew prior to Jackson showing up for the minicamp came from the Ravens and that they're more interested in getting a deal done than Jackson. And that's based on some the comments that uh, Ravens owner Steve Bishotti made um, at the uh, NFL owners meetings at the uh, end of March. And, and what he said was, um, in part, we'll pay him when he's ready. Eric, meaning the cost of the GM for the Ravens, can't keep calling him and say, hey, Lamar, you really need to come in here and get this thing done. Um, another thing that um, Bashadi had suggested at the time was that Jackson's obsession with winning uh, a Super Bowl was a possible reason for a delay in negotiations. Now, Jackson did clarify some of the things when he met with the media uh, at the end of minicamp. He did reveal that um, he and DaCosta have had talks, that he's talked about his contract with DaCosta. I don't know what that really means based on how um, Jackson answered follow-up questions. Because when he was pressed for details, he said... We're having conversations with some variation of that on multiple occasions. And it reminded me of this retired basketball player, um, Rasheed Wallace. Now, that was on the Pistons championship team in 2004. That after uh, one game, every question he was asked, he said, both teams played hard. Both teams played hard. That was just his line. So seeing the clips of Jackson, um, that reminded me of, of that, um, he also kind of threw cold water on um, Bishotti's theory about him being more focused on winning a Super Bowl. Um, he did raise, did say something which kind of raised a little bit of eyebrows that he didn't dismiss the possibility of a holdout. I don't know if that's real 
or it's just negotiation ploy, but the Ravens have to take that legitimately, uh, whether it's it's real or not. And we don't know whether this we're in conversations means substantive discussions. I'm going to take that as a no, but since information isn't out there um, publicly, we have no idea. One thing some people have been critical of Lamar uh, is his whole approach to how he's handling the business part of football. He's one of the only players that's gone his entire career without having an agent. He didn't have an agent for his um, rookie contract. Um, His mom, from what we know publicly, was the point person. But not having an agent isn't expected to be an obstacle to him becoming one of the league's highest paid players. Now, um, it's been done before where people have set the bar or become the standard, reset a positional market. And that's been done without an agent. Um, Three guys come to mind that had a team of advisors or someone who had some industry experience and knew what they were doing. I'm assuming there's someone like that in Jackson's camp. But in the past three years, you had Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins set the wide receiver market, Laramie Tunsil, um, Texans offensive tackle, um, become the highest paid offensive tackle. And then in 2019, um, Bobby Wagner um, became the highest paid off ball linebacker at $18 million per year. So it shouldn't be an impediment to him getting a deal done, the fact that he's going about it in an unconventional manner. Some people, and I was one of them, thought maybe Jackson should have pushed last year after Josh Allen was done and got the uh, six-year, $258 million contract uh, extension, I should say, averaging $43 million per year. He should have uh, tried to get a deal done at that point. Um, but Lamar's patience is paying off in a big way. Now, going into the offseason, there are only three quarterbacks who were in the $40 million per year club. That was Allen, who I just mentioned, Patrick Mahomes on his 10-year extension, uh, which is a 12-year contract because it was done two years left, averaging $45 million per year, and Dak Prescott at $40 million per year. Now, that has grown to seven. You got Derek Carr uh, with the Raiders, Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, Matthew Stafford with the Rams, and Deshaun Watson with the Browns. Now, two of those contracts... I would call game changers and and Watson's in particular. First, you had Aaron Rodgers, who it was in a contract year, and the whole thing with him was, is he going to want to stay in Green Bay or is he going to try to force his way out? And he decided that he wanted to stay in Green Bay, and they promptly signed him to a contract to make him the first $50 million per year player in March. Now, that contract is widely considered to be 50.815 50.815 million over three years, although there, there are two really below market years tacked on to the deal. So if Aaron Rodgers is con- going to continue playing, it won't be for the money in those years. So it's considered a contract averaging $50,271,667 per year. What Rodgers did at the time was set new standards for guaranteed money, 150. Uh, 665 million in total guarantees and 101.515 million fully guaranteed. Those were the standards um, in NFL contracts until the trade 
of Deshaun Watson to the Browns from the Texans. Now, that's the, that's the real game changer, in my opinion, the uh, contract that Deshaun Watson signed. Five years, $230 million, fully guaranteed. He had four years, $136 million remaining on the four-year contract extension he signed uh, with the Texans in September 2020, which is averaging $39 million per year. A part of the attractiveness to me in acquiring um, Watson was you had him cost-contained at $136 million over four years, and the market was escalating. But now you give him five years and a fully guaranteed $230 million contract. Now, that's unheard of in NFL football. Prior to Watson, the only time a veteran had gotten a fully guaranteed, a lucrative fully guaranteed contract was Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, the uh, Vikings quarterback when he left the Commanders in free agency in 2018. That was $84 million over three years, averaging $28 million per year. Incentives made it worth as much as $90 million. That was it. Now, you got this thing which dwarfs the Cousins deal. $230 million fully guaranteed at signing. I'm going to put that into perspective a little bit and what that means. Giannis Antetokounmpo, the NBA MVP 2019-2020, NBA Finals MVP in 2021 last year, in December 2020 signed a five-year extension that's fully guaranteed because for the most part in baseball and basketball, Contracts fully guaranteed. That was $228,200,420. That's the new money in the deal. Watson has an NBA guaranteed contract. And to put it into further perspective, um, we had Steph Curry, who are the champion Golden State Warriors, the uh, finals MVP this year, last August signed a four-year fully guaranteed extension uh, worth a little over $215.35 million, including the season which was just uh, just ended. He was under contract for five years. Now it's going to be four. Um, for fully guaranteed, basically $261.1 million. So, Sean Watson, he is getting NBA-type guarantees. Now, <laughs> Bashadi fully recognizes what this might do to the market. Um, and I would imagine every other owner is cursing the Browns and their owner, uh, Jimmy Haslam. This is what uh, Bashadi uh, said in part at the uh, owners' meetings. Um, I wish they hadn't guaranteed the whole contract. I don't know that he should have been the first guy to get a full guaranteed contract. To me, that's something that's brown breaking. It'll make negotiations harder with others. Went on to say, but that doesn't necessarily mean we have to play that game, you know. We shall see. Now, the one reason everyone was like, this shouldn't be the guy. When you had 22, 23, I forget how many there were initially, um, sexual assault misconduct allegations against you and they and as more information comes out it gets worse and worse that ain't the guy you should be doing this for <laughs> that's the opinion of a lot of people so if I'm Jackson 
And O. Jackson said basically that he doesn't really care what other people got and he doesn't compare himself to anyone else, not paying attention to that stuff. You better pay attention to what other people have gotten because the market is the market. And to me, if I'm Lamar Jackson, the first thing I say is, you see what they did for uh, Deshaun Watson in Cleveland? Well, we got to do the same thing for me. <laughs> I want a fully guaranteed contract for five years. So, hey, where's Lamar Jackson's MVP? I was MVP in 2019. He's never won MVP. He's never been first-team All-Pro. I've done that, too. I don't have any problems off the field. He's got baggage. <laughs> if I'm Lamar Jackson, those are the first things out of my mouth. <laughs> now, one of the things that the Ravens probably don't like about the whole setup is there's no buffer between in a, in a negotiation when you're dealing directly with the player. So Lamar's got to have thick skin. So if the Ravens are critical, he's got to look at that from, hey, that's just business. It's not personal, even though it might be hard not to take some things personally if they start criticizing you for any shortcomings you may have in, in your game. <laughs> Last two seasons since um, Jackson won the MVP in 2019, haven't quite been at the same level that he was that year. And in the 12 games he played in 2021, um Jackson threw a career-high 13 interceptions, um, was sacked 38 times the most of his career, and teams kind of found a little bit of a vulnerability with him. Um, They started blitzing him (laughs) with increasing frequency because they're having success doing it. Now, if I'm Jackson, here's what I would tell the Ravens. You know, there's some mitigating factors. I had a patchwork offensive line, and my running game, Got decimated by injury. My best guy on the offensive line, uh, Ronnie Ronnie Stanley, only played in one game, the season opener, uh, and trying to bounce back from the serious ankle injury he suffered midway during the um, 2020 season. Then had to have subsequent ankle surgery. And, hey, I'm playing with one hand tied behind my back because I don't have any of my running backs. We got to go get guys off the street who are past their prime, like a Devonta Freeman um, and Le'Veon Bell, so forth, those types of guys. That's just a fact of the matter. Then we lose our top two corners. We lose Marcus uh, Peters before the season starts, and Marlon Humphrey's gone by the middle of the season. So I have one hand tied behind my back. You know what? <laughs> We're in first place at 8-5 and five when I didn't play the last four games. You know what happened the last four games? We didn't win one of them. So... <laughs> Guess what? You know what happens when I play? We're we're a playoff caliber team or better. When I don't, we're terrible. So that's what I would say if I'm um, Lamar, that situation. And I think in in a weird way, they kind of got a little better sense of how Lamar can operate when the deck the deck is stacked against him because degree of difficulty to me when you don't when you're missing all these weapons or pieces to the puzzle that means you got to do more that puts more pressure on the quarterback and hey they're in first place when he got hurt so Lamar also gets plenty of criticism about him his shortcomings as a uh, passer particularly in the pocket well he can dismiss any of that. He, he knows he needs to work on mechanics, which is why he wasn't around for the offseason workouts. He was out in Los Angeles working with uh, Rod Dato 
um, one of the throwing gurus who's in that group with Tom House, which has helped with um, Matthew Stafford. He's gone to him and Tom Brady. Um, so it's not like he was out there not trying to be a better player when he wasn't around. Um, so I would, if I'm him, I point to what the uh, Falcons did with Michael Vick in 2004. And Michael Vick was Lamar Jackson before Lamar Jackson. Michael Vick was the first uh, quarterback to ever rush for over 1,000 yards. Um, and now Lamar Jackson has surpassed him as the best dual-threat quarterback in NFL history. Um, he set the quarterback rushing record with 1,206 yards, led NFL with 36 touchdown passes in his MVP year in 2019, and was the first player to throw for at least 3,000 passing yards and have 1,000 rushing yards in the same season. Now, Vic was not the same caliber of passer as Lamar. He had more deficiencies um, as a passer, wasn't as polished, <laughs> and that's the biggest um, criticism on, on Lamar. And you know what the Falcons did for him in 2004? Made him the second highest paid player in the league. So if I'm, if I'm Lamar, I'm like, I want to hear this stuff. <laughs> don't, don't tell me about how... <laughs> You can't pay me because I don't play the quarterback in a conventional manner. I'm probably asked to do more than anybody else on any other team at quarterback um, because the way the offense uh, works around me, and that's where I am, and whether the importance of us winning and losing. But those are some of the things that Lamar should be bringing up when talks get serious uh, with the uh, uh, Ravens. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as um, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Guys, are you looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have fun? Let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew's tablets help men combat all forms of ED. BlueChew is also an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, all done online. Blue Chew's tablets, made in the United States, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code CAP at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. 
That's bluechew.com, promo code CAP, C-A-P, to receive your first month free. Now, if uh, the Ravens and Jackson don't get a deal done, the expectation is that he'll be franchised next year. Now, the Ravens were in this situation um, once about a decade ago uh, with uh, the guy that Jackson replaced, uh, Joe Flacco. Uh, Flacco had been a slightly above average quarterback um, when he decided to bet on himself in his contract year and then just played out of his mind in the playoffs. Had one of the greatest postseason runs ever for a quarterback, better than Tom Brady, Joe Montana. Um, The Ravens won Super Bowl 47. He's named um, Super Bowl MVP. They're facing a franchise tag in 2013 for Flacco, and this stretch of games, four games, which he never came close to duplicating ever again in his life, allowed him to become the highest paid player in the NFL briefly on a six-year, $120.6 million deal, averaging $20.1 million per year. That's probably what the Ravens would want to do if they play this thing out, presumably, to avoid the franchise tag. Now, they might say, well, he won a Super Bowl. Lamar, you haven't. And I'm like, this dude was just... An average Joe barely. Barely above an average Joe. And we've seen what I can do at the highest level. So, yeah, he's won a Super Bowl. I haven't. He hasn't been league MVP. Franchise quarterbacks are rarely in a position to get a franchise tag. Um, in the last 10 off seasons, it's only happened to three quarterbacks and five times total. Uh, Drew Brees in 2012. Cousins twice, 2016 and 17. And Dak Prescott um, got franchise in 20, played under the tag. Um and in 2021, technically got a second franchise tag before they ultimately did a deal. Three times the franchise, you've had guys play under the tag. Uh, Cousins did it twice, then bolted from the Commanders and Prescott in 2020. Now, the two types of uh, franchise tags is exclusive designation and the non-exclusive designation. And the price points are a lot different in most cases. Now, the non-exclusive tag um, allows a player to negotiate with other teams. And if he signs an offer sheet, the unmatched, uh, and that offer sheet isn't matched, the compensation is two first-round picks from the team that signs you. Now, with the exclusive tag, it's a closed negotiation. You can't talk to other teams. It's just you and the Ravens. No, no possibility of an offer sheet. Now, the price points are, are going to be very different in this case, and a lot of people I've seen talk about Lamar's situation assume it's going to be the non-exclusive tag. Now, I'm in total disagreement with that. Now, four out of the five times you had the quarterbacks franchised out of these three guys, it was the exclusive tag. That was just the guys I was just talking about. Now, if you look at the compensation relative to the unmatched offer sheet, relative to what quarterback trades were this offseason, for the guys that would be considered Jackson's peers, that's a bargain. So would the Ravens really want to subject themselves or make open themselves up to make themselves vulnerable to an offer sheet by a quarterback needy team with a ton of cap room? <laughs> a one that might be uh, difficult to match? Because look, uh, look at the Watson trade. That was Watson in a 2024 sixth round pick for 
22, 23, 24 first round picks, 2022 fourth round pick, 23 third round pick, and a 20, 24 fourth round pick. That is a whole lot more than two first round picks. And let's look at Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson in a 2022 fourth round pick goes from Seattle to Denver for multiple players. Tight end Noah Fant, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, quarterback Drew Locke. 22 and 23 first round picks, 22 and 23 second round picks, and a 2022 sixth round pick. That's a whole lot more than two first round picks for the unmatched offer sheet. And you've even had non-quarterbacks, Jamal Adams, Jalen Ramsey, Laramie Tunsil, Khalil Mack. When they're traded, it's been more than two first round picks. So yeah, Ravens, good luck trying to put a non-exclusive franchise tag. You can roll the dice. Um, the price for that should be 14.21% of the 2023 salary cap because the non-exclusive tag gets expressed by a cap percentage average. Um, we look at uh, basically what the franchise tag numbers would have been under the old system of calculating for five years. Uh, that sum over the front, the uh, Salary cap amounts for the previous five years. Multiply that by what the upcoming cap is. So that's going to be the $32 million per year neighborhood. Now, you talk exclusive tag. It's the average of the top five salaries, quarterback salaries in 2023, which is basically cap numbers with some minor adjustments at the end of next year's restricted free agent signing period, which would be um, April 21st. And the thing is, once you stick the tag on them, Restructures get frozen at that date. Guys who get cut, they, they can drop out of the calculation. But any restructures after that, they're not a part of the calculation. Now, the five guys who currently would make up that number, Deshaun Watson, 54.993, is a, go, would go in. Dak Prescott, 49.13. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, you got to take out his $550,000 workout bonus for these purposes, $46,243,381. Uh, Josh Allen, you got to take out his $500,000 workout bonus as well, $39,272,281. And Ryan Tannehill, $31.6 million. Now, the average of these five salaries is what they're called, even though they're basically cap numbers, would be $45.648 million. So you're talking over a $13 million difference in the two tags. Now, I'm Lamar. I'm, and I I recognize this. I'm like, this gives me a whole lot more leverage. Okay, I can play for my $23.016 million fifth-year option if I have to. Then, you know what? You got to tag me. If you tag me, and it may go down a little bit if someone like Tannehill gets cut, and then Cousins would come in at $36.25 million. I'm assuming restructures won't take place before he got tagged. We're talking $45.178 million. So, anyway, we're talking probably minimum $45 million. And because this, this number is subject to change based on whatever negotiations there are. New contracts come in, you know, saying guys get cut, restructures. As I said, restructures got to occur before the day he gets tagged for these for this calculation purposes. And, okay, I can play 2023 on a tag, $45 million, a little bit more. Guess what? It's twenty. It's twenty percent increase if you want to do it again in twenty twenty four. So that's going to put it in the fifty four point seven seven five million dollar neighborhood, depending upon what that actual number is. And a third tag 
ain't gonna happen. <laughs> a 44% increase over this tag? That's gonna be right under 79 million. So if I'm Lamar, I'm looking at this. All right, <laughs> basically you gotta pay me a little over 100 million dollars plus my 23 million dollar option, so I can play at basically 123, 124 million over three years, then walk. That's gonna give him a lot of leverage. So he, from what we understand, um, and it may or not may or may not be accurate. He ain't afraid of the franchise tag and the power of the franchise tag. So, if I'm the Ravens, uh, I sh- they should be cognizant of that. If if you don't want him at quarterback, you want to take two first round picks, then give him the low, give him the non exclusive one. Because if you get to him playing two franchise tags, he walks for at best compensatory third round pick. He's worth a lot more than that. Walks in 2025 if he wants to in free agency. Lamar said he, he anticipates or expects to play his whole career in Baltimore. When I was an agent, I had guys who wanted to stay where they were drafted, and then the contract negotiations got in the way. There was some acrimony. They felt disrespected. And after a while, they're like, you know what? Screw this team. <laughs> I don't like how I'm being treated. I'm out. When my contract's up, I'm out. We're not even going to give them a chance to match. We'll give them a courtesy call um, so they don't Back then, it was read about in the paper, hear about it on Sports Center, but bye. <laughs> so that things change when he says, "I expect to be here." Yeah, you disrespect him in the negotiations. That's that's a, you run that real risk of possibility. Now, one thing people talk about is Lamar and injury, and yeah, I get that because he's susceptible to more hits because he's a running quarterback. And the more times you get hit, the greater chance of an injury. And I saw something that he's been hit 709 times since taking over as the quarterback midway during his rookie year in 2018. And that's 99 more times the other quarterback's been hit during that time frame. What type of injury would really impact him financially? I guess maybe a ruptured Achilles. Obviously, you start having a bunch of concussions. Your career could be over. That could be career-threatening. ACLs, yeah, you talk about he needs his legs. But uh, there's a fledgling football player, uh, 110 hurdler, uh, Devin Allen, who tore both his ACLs in college when he played football, in college when he played for Oregon. And he last week he ran the third fastest 110 uh, meter hurdles time in history. So he seems to have gotten faster after ACL tears. And I remember um, Adrian Peterson. Uh, towards ACL, and then the next year almost broke uh, Eric Dickerson's rushing record. So I don't know about the ACL, but I also got a wing point to Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott had a pretty serious, gruesome, seasoning ankle injury uh, with sideline in the last 11 games in 2020 when he was playing on his first franchise tag of $31.409 million. Didn't stop from being the first $40 million per year, uh, second, the second $40 million per year player in the NFL in 2021. So maybe Lamar is willing to take on that risk of injury and doesn't think it's um, serious enough to, uh, if push comes to shove, to uh, make him consider taking something which he doesn't feel is what should be his true value. Now, knowing that what a lot of agents do when you got the franchise tag 
entering the equation is take the average of two tags and kind of use that as a guide for what the deal should be. You average these two tags, you're slightly over 50 million per year. Now, um, Watson's at 46 million, and if Bashadi doesn't want to go to full guaranteed amount for five years, and this is what I think will happen in some instances. If you're going to go the fully guaranteed route, it's going to be shorter. So maybe the compromise might be three years fully guaranteed. It's a potential compromise. Cousins had three. And then maybe you're talking between 45 and $50 million per year. And that put the Ravens on the hook for 60 to $65 million. Uh, 60% or 60 to 65%, I should say, of the money in Watson's contract. So that's like 135 to 150 million in new money. That's including the of new money. He's already making the 23.016 million. So we got to take that into account. So I guess that would really be 158 to a uh, 100. Yeah, 158 to 173 fully guaranteed is signing when you count what is already there because we're talking New Year's if we're gonna do shorter. So those calculations would be a little bit off. Uh, maybe it's like 55 to 60. Um, the amount that's uh, of Watson's is fully guaranteed. But if I go shorter, I want a clause where you can't stick a franchise tag on me. If we get something done this offseason or before next year, you can't stick a franchise tag on me at the end of those years. Um, now, this thing gets a little more complicated if um, you're not willing to go there go with the fully guaranteed contract and if you're not willing to go with the fully guaranteed contract what we've seen is patience pays off if uh, you're a good player who pretty much stays healthy Pro Bowl caliber player it's going to cost you more in the long run as I said we had three guys beginning of the offseason at 40 million or more now you got seven you could have Russell Wilson, get a deal done maybe this offseason, definitely next offseason, owner of deep pockets. If he, gets another, if he gets a fully guaranteed contract and you wait, maybe you get one. You got Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert who will be eligible for contracts next year. I can't imagine. <laughs> They're not going to try to push for it. Burrow would be tougher because Cincinnati <laughs> doesn't even guarantee anything besides base salary. I mean, I mean besides signing bonus in their contracts. They're like Green Bay for everybody but Aaron Rodgers and Pittsburgh until recently with T.J. Watt and um, Mika Fitzpatrick. They'll have roster bonuses in year two, year three to substitute for guarantees, but <laughs> those two guys say my rookie contract's fully guaranteed. I'm not going to go backwards. Um, so maybe they do, maybe they don't get fully guaranteed contracts, but they're going to be in that upper stratosphere as well. Um, Bashadi even said by 2025 he thought uh, quarterback salaries could be $60 million. So, if we're going to get something done now and you don't want to fully guarantee it, then maybe it's the a four-year concept. And the Ravens did a four-year deal, four-year extension with uh, Mark Edwards. And that thing is extremely front-loaded. So, you want to do a four-year extension, it's got to be more front-loaded than what you did for the tight end. Because typically, quarterbacks get the best structure. And if I'm Lamar, I'd say, okay, Sean Watts is under contract five years, $230 million. You put me under contract for five years, $230.16 million. And then we also have to, on top of that, you got to factor in that since his rookie contract was done before the new CBA was ratified in 2020, he's entitled to a 17th game check based off his option year. 
So that would be $1,353,882 that he would lose unless it gets put back in to the contract um, in, a, in a renegotiation, an extension. Um, it was going to, if he doesn't do anything and he plays on the option, there's no cap charge for it and it counts as a benefit, goes, gets classified as a benefit. Um, but he gets the 17th game check. Now um, it's crucial to getting some veterans to buy off on um, the new CBA to vote for it to be ratified. So that's on top of the 230.16 million. So that'd be 207 million over four years. That's 51.75 million. If I'm Marm, like you want to pay me 51.75 million on a four-year extension and front front load the crap out of it. I you don't I don't need a full guaranteed contract in that case. But then I'm also going to want an ability for you not to franchise me. When my contract's up, no franchise, no transition tag. And this Andrews thing is really front-loaded. After the first new year, he's got 47.3% of his money. After the second new year, he's got 607 of his new money. After the third new year, he's at 80.4. So a neutral deal is 25 after the first year, 50 after the second year, 75 of his new money after the third new year. So... This is extremely front-loaded. The only quarterback deal on a four-year extension or four-year deal, which is more front-loaded, is Russell Wilson's. And Russell Wilson in Seattle, he's at 50.7%, 65% after the second new year in terms of new money, then 81.2%. So you got to top Andrews, maybe even top uh, Russell Wilson in terms of these cash flow percentages because that's something I looked at when I did any deal. Um, when I was an agent and that means at a minimum for you go just to top Andrews you're talking in terms of new money after the first new year in 2023 you've got 100 million after the second new year 2024 then you'd have 127.5 million of the new money which would be 207 from what I'm talking about then after year three at 166.5 that is just to barely top Andrew. So, and you got to assume that basically the first two years of money are fully guaranteed. Year three would vest at the beginning of year two. So, year three would be 2024. That's going to vest in March 2023. So, we're talking like $125 million fully guaranteed at signing in like 150 almost about 152 million um in overall guarantees and this thing would be front loaded like crazy um in order to have that happen um to get me if i'm lamar you don't give me full guaranteed contract it's that or we can just start playing the franchise tag game i consider the three-year compromise no tag at the end of the deal um where i take potentially you're not on the hook for the same guaranteed money um, as in Deshaun. But if you don't want to give me a three-year fully guaranteed contract and we want to do the regular type deal, you're, it's going to be front-loaded like crazy. And that's how the cash would work for a deal this magnitude. Now, the Ravens typically use a signing option bonus structure with deals. That's what they've done with Andrew's deal, um, Ronnie Stanley's deal and Marlon Humphrey's deal. So any deal that gets done, I anticipate would be using that structure. And by that, an option bonus is basically like a signing bonus in a later year. 
usually the second or third year to pick up maybe the last year of the contract, and you you pay an amount that gets prorated from the the year that the option gets exercised, which would be in all these cases year two through the remainder of the year the deal. So whatever the option bonus is, it'd be prorated years two, three, five, two through five, because it's five total years he's under contract, including the um, option year. So that's how that would work. Um, now, I don't really think it's on the table, but I got, I'm going to talk about it anyway. Lamar didn't rule out a holdout. Now, for Lamar, it'd be $40,000 per day for each day he missed training camp. Because for rookies, it's $40,000 per day. Guys on rookie contracts, veteran contracts, $50,000 per day. The $40,000 per day fine is forgivable. For veterans, it is not. So they could waive it. Now, since he's in his fifth-year option, there's an additional penalty for Lamar. Um, for I don't think it ever gets to this. Uh, each preseason game he missed while holding out, he would be docked 118th of his salary. So basically a game check. And, that is, and he missed all three preseason games. That would be $3.836 million. So it's basically $1,278,666 per preseason game missed. Um, training camp, I don't know the exact date. It'll open July 26th, July 27th. And under the CBA, training camp ends September 4th, runs through September 4th. So that's basically 40 days, roughly. So that's like, that'd be $1.6 million in fines if you missed all the training camp. I don't think we get anywhere remotely close to that, but got to bring it up just in case and he's got four accrued seasons already so if he misses the first day of training camp then get another accrued season because that's the rule in the cba doesn't matter for him matters for like the debo samuels of the world because they'd be restricted guys in 2019 draft class who have expiring contracts 2018 no he's already got four accrued seasons you don't need another one after you have four not an issue for lamar but again i don't think we see a holdout. Could be wrong, but I'd be shocked. Well, we'll see if we get the deal done, but this is just how I'd approach it and just some of the dynamics in the deal. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. That's going to be it for this week's Inside the Cap. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, that's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L, and read my Agent's Take column at cbssports.com. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next time. Goodbye.